The Federal Reserve Act of 1913 gave the Federal Reserve authority to set monetary policy in the United States. Interbank Lending The Federal Reserve sets monetary policy by influencing the federal funds rate, which is the rate of interbank lending of excess reserves. The rate that banks charge each other for these loans is determined in the interbank market and the Federal Reserve influences this rate through the three tools of monetary policy described in the tools section below. The federal funds rate is a short-term interest rate that the FOMC focuses on, which affects the longer-term interest rates throughout the economy. The Federal Reserve summarized its monetary policy in 2005. The Federal Reserve implements U.S. monetary policy by affecting conditions in the market for balances that depository institutions hold at the Federal Reserve banks, by conducting open market operations, imposing reserve requirements, permitting depository institutions to hold contractual clearing balances, and extending credit through its discount window facility, the Federal Reserve exercises considerable control over the demand for and supply of Federal Reserve balances and the Federal Funds Rate. Through its control of the Federal Funds Rate, the Federal Reserve is able to foster financial and monetary conditions consistent with its monetary policy objectives. Effects on the quantity of reserves that banks use to make loans influence the economy. Policy actions that add reserves to the banking system encourage lending at lower interest rates thus stimulating growth in money, credit, and the economy. Policy actions that absorb reserves work in the opposite direction. The Fed's task is to supply enough reserves to support an adequate amount of money and credit, avoiding the excesses that result in inflation and the shortages that stifle economic growth. Federal Funds Rate and Open Market Operations The Federal Reserve System implements monetary policy largely by targeting the federal funds rate. This is the interest rate that banks charge each other for overnight loans of federal funds, which are the reserves held by banks at the Fed. This rate is actually determined by the market and is not explicitly mandated by the Fed. The Fed therefore tries to align the effective federal funds rate with the targeted rate by adding or subtracting from the money supply through open market operations. The Federal Reserve System usually adjusts the federal funds rate target by 0.25% or 0.5% at a time. Open market operations allow the Federal Reserve to increase or decrease the amount of money in the banking system as necessary to balance the Federal Reserve's dual mandates. Open market operations are done through the sale and purchase of United States Treasury security, sometimes called Treasury bills or more informally T-bills or Treasuries. The Federal Reserve buys Treasury bills from its primary dealers. The purchase of these securities affects the Federal Funds Rate, because primary dealers have accounts at depository institutions. The Federal Reserve Education website describes open market operations as follows. Open market operations involve the buying and selling of U.S. government securities, federal agency and mortgage-backed. The term open market means that the Fed doesn't decide on its own which securities dealers it will do business with on a particular day. Rather, the choice emerges from an open market in which the various securities dealers that the Fed does business with, the primary dealers, compete on the basis of price. Open market operations are flexible and thus, the most frequently used tool of monetary policy. Open market operations are the primary tool used to regulate the supply of bank reserves. This tool consists of Federal Reserve purchases and sales of financial instruments, usually securities issued by the U.S. Treasury, federal agencies, and government-sponsored enterprises. Open market operations are carried out by the domestic trading desk of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York under direction from the FOMC. The transactions are undertaken with primary dealers. The Fed's goal in trading the securities is to affect the federal funds rate, the rate at which banks borrow reserves from each other. When the Fed wants to increase reserves, it buys securities and pays for them by making a deposit to the account maintained at the Fed by the primary dealer's bank. When the Fed wants to reduce reserves, it sells securities and collects from those accounts. Most days, the Fed does not want to increase or decrease reserves permanently so it usually engages in transactions reversed within a day or two. 
that means that a reserve injection today could be withdrawn tomorrow morning, only to be renewed at some level several hours later. These short-term transactions are called repurchase agreements, repos, the dealer sells the Fed a security and agrees to buy it back at a later date. Repurchase Agreements To smooth temporary or cyclical changes in the money supply, the desk engages in repurchase agreements, repos, with its primary dealers. Repos are essentially secured, short-term lending by the Fed. On the day of the transaction, the Fed deposits money in a primary dealer's reserve account, and receives the promised securities as collateral. When the transaction matures, the process unwinds, the Fed returns the collateral and charges the primary dealer's reserve account for the principal and accrued interest. The term of the repo, the time between settlement and maturity, can vary from one day, called an overnight repo, to 65 days. Discount Rate The Federal Reserve System also directly sets the discount rate, which is the interest rate for discount window lending, overnight loans that member banks borrow directly from the Fed. This rate is generally set at a rate close to 100 basis points above the target federal funds rate. The idea is to encourage banks to seek alternative funding before using the discount rate option. The equivalent operation by the European Central Bank is referred to as the marginal lending facility. Both the discount rate and the federal funds rate influence the prime rate, which is usually about 3 percentage points higher than the federal funds rate. Reserve Requirements Another instrument of monetary policy adjustment employed by the Federal Reserve System is the fractional reserve requirement, also known as the required reserve ratio. The required reserve ratio sets the balance that the Federal Reserve System requires a depository institution to hold in the Federal Reserve Banks, which depository institutions trade in the federal funds market discussed above. The required reserve ratio is set by the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System, the reserve requirements have changed over time and some history of these changes is published by the Federal Reserve. As a response to the financial crisis of 2008, the Federal Reserve now makes interest payments on depository institutions required and excess reserve balances. The payment of interest on excess reserves gives the central bank greater opportunity to address credit market conditions while maintaining the federal funds rate close to the target rate set by the FOMC. New facilities. In order to address problems related to the subprime mortgage crisis and United States housing bubble, several new tools have been created. The first new tool, called the Term Auction Facility, was added on December 12, 2007. It was first announced as a temporary tool but there have been suggestions that this new tool may remain in place for a prolonged period of time. Creation of the second new tool, called the Term Securities Lending Facility, was announced on March 11, 2008. The main difference between these two facilities is that the Term Auction Facility is used to inject cash into the banking system whereas the Term Securities Lending Facility is used to inject Treasury securities into the banking system. Creation of the third tool, called the Primary Dealer Credit Facility, PDCF, was announced on March 16, 2008. The PDCF was a fundamental change in Federal Reserve policy because now the Fed is able to lend directly to primary dealers, which was previously against Fed policy. The differences between these three new facilities is described by the Federal Reserve. The Term Auction Facility Program offers term funding to depository institutions via a bi-weekly auction, for fixed amounts of credit. The term securities lending facility will be an auction for a fixed amount of lending of Treasury General Collateral in exchange for OMO eligible and AAA slash AAA rated private label residential mortgage backed securities. The primary dealer credit facility now allows eligible primary dealers to borrow at the existing discount rate for up to 120 days. Some measures taken by the Federal Reserve to address this mortgage crisis have not been used since the Great Depression. The Federal Reserve gives a brief summary of these new facilities. As the economy has slowed in the last nine months and credit markets have become unstable, the Federal Reserve has taken a number of steps to help address the situation. 
These steps have included the use of traditional monetary policy tools at the macroeconomic level as well as measures at the level of specific markets to provide additional liquidity. The Federal Reserve's response has continued to evolve since pressure on credit markets began to surface last summer, but all these measures derive from the Fed's traditional open market operations and discount window tools by extending the term of transactions, the type of collateral, or eligible borrowers. A fourth facility, the Term Deposit Facility, was announced December 9, 2009, and approved April 30, 2010, with an effective date of June 4, 2010. The Term Deposit Facility allows reserve banks to offer term deposits to institutions that are eligible to receive earnings on their balances at reserve banks. Term deposits are intended to facilitate the implementation of monetary policy by providing a tool by which the Federal Reserve can manage the aggregate quantity of reserve balances held by depository institutions. Funds placed in term deposits are removed from the accounts of participating institutions for the life of the term deposit and thus drain reserve balances from the banking system. Term Auction Facility the Term Auction Facility is a program in which the Federal Reserve auctions term funds to depository institutions. The creation of this facility was announced by the Federal Reserve on December 12, 2007, and was done in conjunction with the Bank of Canada, the Bank of England, the European Central Bank, and the Swiss National Bank to address elevated pressures in short-term funding markets. The reason it was created is that banks were not lending funds to one another and banks in need of funds were refusing to go to the discount window. Banks were not lending money to each other because there was a fear that the loans would not be paid back. Banks refused to go to the discount window because it is usually associated with the stigma of bank failure. Under the term auction facility, the identity of the banks in need of funds is protected in order to avoid the stigma of bank failure. Foreign exchange swap lines with the European Central Bank and Swiss National Bank were opened so the banks in Europe could have access to US dollars. Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke briefly described this facility to the US House of Representatives on January 17, 2008. The Federal Reserve recently unveiled a term auction facility, or TAF, through which pre-specified amounts of discount window credit can be auctioned to eligible borrowers. The goal of the TAF is to reduce the incentive for banks to hoard cash and increase their willingness to provide credit to households and firms. TAF auctions will continue as long as necessary to address elevated pressures in short-term funding markets, and we will continue to work closely and cooperatively with other central banks to address market strains that could hamper the achievement of our broader economic objectives. The TAF is a credit facility that allows a depository institution to place a bid for an advance from its local Federal Reserve Bank at an interest rate that is determined as the result of an auction. By allowing the Federal Reserve to inject term funds through a broader range of counterparties and against a broader range of collateral than open market operations, this facility could help ensure that liquidity provisions can be disseminated efficiently even when the unsecured interbank markets are under stress. In short, the TAF will auction term funds of approximately one month maturity. All depository institutions that are judged to be in sound financial condition by their local reserve bank and that are eligible to borrow at the discount window are also eligible to participate in TAF auctions. All TAF credit must be fully collateralized. Depositories may pledge the broad range of collateral that is accepted for other Federal Reserve lending programs to secure TAF credit. The same collateral values and margins applicable for other Federal Reserve lending programs will also apply for the TAF. Term Securities Lending Facility The Term Securities Lending Facility is a 28-day facility that will offer Treasury General Collateral to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York's primary dealers in exchange for other program-eligible collateral. It is intended to promote liquidity in the financing markets for treasury and other collateral and thus to foster the functioning of financial markets more generally 123 like the term auction facility, the TSLF was done in conjunction with the Bank of Canada, the Bank of England, the European Central Bank, and the Swiss National Bank. The resource allows dealers to switch debt that is less liquid for US government securities that are easily tradable.
the currency swap lines with the European Central Bank and Swiss National Bank were increased. Primary Dealer Credit Facility The Primary Dealer Credit Facility PDCF, is an overnight loan facility that will provide funding to primary dealers in exchange for a specified range of eligible collateral and is intended to foster the functioning of financial markets more generally. This new facility marks a fundamental change in Federal Reserve policy because now primary dealers can borrow directly from the Fed when this used to be prohibited. Interest on Reserves As of October 2008 update, the Federal Reserve Banks will pay interest on reserve balances, required and excess, held by depository institutions. The rate is set at the lowest federal funds rate during the reserve maintenance period of an institution, less 75 BP. As of 23 October 2008 update, the Fed has lowered the spread to a mere 35 BP. Term Deposit Facility The Term Deposit Facility is a program through which the Federal Reserve Banks will offer interest-bearing term deposits to eligible institutions. By removing excess deposits from participating banks, the overall level of reserves available for lending is reduced, which should result in increased market interest rates, acting as a break on economic activity and inflation. The Federal Reserve has stated that term deposits will be one of several tools that the Federal Reserve could employ to drain reserves when policymakers judge that it is appropriate to begin moving to a less accommodative stance of monetary policy. The development of the TDF is a matter of prudent planning and has no implication for the near-term conduct of monetary policy. The Federal Reserve initially authorized up to five small value offerings are designed to ensure the effectiveness of TDF operations and to provide eligible institutions with an opportunity to gain familiarity with term deposit procedures. After three of the offering auctions were successfully completed, it was announced that small value auctions would continue on an ongoing basis. The term deposit facility is essentially a tool available to reverse the efforts that have been employed to provide liquidity to the financial markets and to reduce the amount of capital available to the economy. As stated in Bloomberg News, policymakers led by Chairman Ben S. Bernanke are preparing for the day when they will have to start siphoning off more than $1 trillion in excess reserves from the banking system to contain inflation. The Fed is charting an eventual return to normal monetary policy, even as a weakening near-term outlook has raised the possibility it may expand its balance sheet. Chairman Ben S. Bernanke, testifying before House Committee on Financial Services, described the term deposit facility and other facilities to Congress in the following terms. Most importantly, in October 2008 the Congress gave the Federal Reserve statutory authority to pay interest on balances that banks hold at the Federal Reserve Banks. By increasing the interest rate on banks' reserves, the Federal Reserve will be able to put significant upward pressure on all short-term interest rates, as banks will not supply short-term funds to the money markets at rates significantly below what they can earn by holding reserves at the Federal Reserve Banks. Actual and prospective increases in short-term interest rates will be reflected in turn in higher longer-term interest rates and in tighter financial conditions more generally. As an additional means of draining reserves, the Federal Reserve is also developing plans to offer to depository institutions term deposits, which are roughly analogous to certificates of deposit that the institutions offer to their customers. A proposal describing a term deposit facility was recently published in the Federal Register, and the Federal Reserve is finalizing a revised proposal in light of the public comments that have been received. After a revised proposal is reviewed by the board, we expect to be able to conduct test transactions this spring and to have the facility available if necessary thereafter. The use of reverse repos and the deposit facility would together allow the Federal Reserve to drain hundreds of billions of dollars of reserves from the banking system quite quickly, should it choose to do so. When these tools are used to drain reserves from the banking system, they do so by replacing bank reserves with other liabilities, the asset side and the overall size of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet remain unchanged. If necessary, as a means of applying monetary restraint, the Federal Reserve also has the option of redeeming or selling securities. 
The redemption or sale of securities would have the effect of reducing the size of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet as well as further reducing the quantity of reserves in the banking system. Restoring the size and composition of the balance sheet to a more normal configuration is a longer-term objective of our policies. In any case, the sequencing of steps and the combination of tools that the Federal Reserve uses as it exits from its currently very accommodative policy stance will depend on economic and financial developments and on our best judgments about how to meet the Federal Reserve's dual mandate of maximum employment and price stability. In sum, in response to severe threats to our economy, the Federal Reserve created a series of special lending facilities to stabilize the financial system and encourage the resumption of private credit flows to American families and businesses. As market conditions and the economic outlook have improved, these programs have been terminated or are being phased out. The Federal Reserve also promoted economic recovery through sharp reductions in its target for the federal funds rate and through large-scale purchases of securities. The economy continues to require the support of accommodative monetary policies. However, we have been working to ensure that we have the tools to reverse, at the appropriate time, the currently very high degree of monetary stimulus. We have full confidence that, when the time comes, we will be ready to do so. Asset-backed commercial paper money market mutual fund liquidity facility. The asset-backed commercial paper money market mutual fund liquidity facility, UPMFLOF, was also called the AMLF. The facility began operations on September 22, 2008, and was closed on February 1, 2010. All U.S. depository institutions, bank holding companies, parent companies or U.S. broker-dealer affiliates, or U.S. branches and agencies of foreign banks were eligible to borrow under this facility pursuant to the discretion of the FRBB. Collateral eligible for pledge under the facility was required to meet the following criteria. Asterisk was purchased by borrower on or after September 19, 2008 from a registered investment company that held itself out as a money market mutual fund. Asterisk was purchased by borrower at the fund's acquisition cost as adjusted for amortization of premium or accretion of discount on the ABCP through the date of its purchase by borrower. Asterisk was rated at the time pledged to FRBB, not lower than A1, F1, or P1 by at least two major rating agencies or, if rated by only one major rating agency, the ABCP must have been rated within the top rating category by that agency. Asterisk was issued by an entity organized under the laws of the United States or a political subdivision thereof under a program that was in existence on September 18, 2008, and Asterisk had stated maturity that did not exceed 120 days if the borrower was a bank or 270 days for non-bank borrowers. Commercial Paper Funding Facility On October 7, 2008, the Federal Reserve further expanded the collateral it will loan against to include commercial paper using the new Commercial Paper Funding Facility CPFF. The action made the Fed a crucial source of credit for non-financial businesses in addition to commercial banks and investment firms. Fed officials said they'll buy as much of the debt as necessary to get the market functioning again. They refused to say how much that might be, but they noted that around $1.3 trillion worth of commercial paper would qualify. There was $1.61 trillion in outstanding commercial paper, seasonally adjusted, on the market as of 1 October 2008 update, according to the most recent data from the Fed. That was down from $1.70 trillion in the previous week. Since the summer of 2007, the market has shrunk from more than $2.2 trillion. This program lent out a total $738 billion before it was closed. 45 out of 81 of the companies participating in this program were foreign firms. Research shows that Troubled Asset Relief Program TARP, recipients were twice as likely to participate in the program than other commercial paper issuers who did not take advantage of the TARP bailout. The Fed incurred no losses from the CPFF. Quantitative Policy A little-used tool of the Federal Reserve is the quantitative policy. 
With that the Federal Reserve actually buys back corporate bonds and mortgage-backed securities held by banks or other financial institutions. This in effect puts money back into the financial institutions and allows them to make loans and conduct normal business. The bursting of the United States housing bubble prompted the Fed to buy mortgage-backed securities for the first time in November 2008. Over six weeks, a total of $1.25 trillion were purchased in order to stabilize the housing market, about one-fifth of all U.S. government-backed mortgages. History Central Banking in the United States, 1791-1913 The first attempt at a national currency was during the American Revolutionary War. In 1775, the Continental Congress, as well as the states, began issuing paper currency, calling the bills Continentals. The Continentals were backed only by future tax revenue, and were used to help finance the Revolutionary War. Overprinting, as well as British counterfeiting, caused the value of the Continental to diminish quickly. This experience with paper money led the United States to strip the power to issue bills of credit, paper money, from a draft of the new Constitution on August 16, 1787, as well as banning such issuance by the various states, and limiting the state's ability to make anything but gold or silver coin legal tender on August 28. In 1791, the government granted the First Bank of the United States a charter to operate as the U.S. Central Bank until 1811. The First Bank of the United States came to an end under President Madison because Congress refused to renew its charter. The Second Bank of the United States was established in 1816, and lost its authority to be the Central Bank of the U.S. 20 years later under President Jackson when its charter expired. Both banks were based upon the Bank of England. Ultimately, a third national bank, known as the Federal Reserve, was established in 1913 and still exists to this day. First Central Bank, 1791 and Second Central Bank, 1816. The first U.S. institution with central banking responsibilities was the First Bank of the United States, chartered by Congress and signed into law by President George Washington on February 25, 1791, at the urging of Alexander Hamilton. This was done despite strong opposition from Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, among numerous others. The charter was for 20 years and expired in 1811 under President Madison, because Congress refused to renew it. In 1816, however, Madison revived it in the form of the Second Bank of the United States. Years later, early renewal of the bank's charter became the primary issue in the re-election of President Andrew Jackson. After Jackson, who was opposed to the central bank, was re-elected, he pulled the government's funds out of the bank. Jackson was the only president to completely pay off the debt. The bank's charter was not renewed in 1836. From 1837 to 1862, in the free banking era there was no formal central bank. From 1846 to 1921, an independent treasury system ruled. From 1863 to 1913, a system of national banks was instituted by the 1863 National Banking Act during which series of bank panics, in 1873, 1893, and 1907 occurred bankers for an overhaul of the monetary system. During the last quarter of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century, the United States economy went through a series of financial panics. According to many economists, the previous national banking system had two main weaknesses, an inelastic currency and a lack of liquidity. In 1908, Congress enacted the Aldrich, Vreeland Act, which provided for an emergency currency and established the National Monetary Commission to study banking and currency reform. The National Monetary Commission returned with recommendations which were repeatedly rejected by Congress. A revision crafted during a secret meeting on Jekyll Island by Senator Aldrich and representatives of the nation's top finance and industrial groups later became the basis of the Federal Reserve Act. The House voted on December 22, 1913, with 298 voting yes to 60 voting no. 
the Senate voted 43 to 25 on December 23, 1913. President Woodrow Wilson signed the bill later that day. Federal Reserve Act, 1913. Newspaper clipping, December 24, 1913. The head of the bipartisan National Monetary Commission was financial expert and Senate Republican leader Nelson Aldrich. Aldrich set up two commissions, one to study the American monetary system in depth and the other, headed by Aldrich himself, to study the European central banking systems and report on them. In early November 1910, Aldrich met with five well-known members of the New York banking community to devise a central banking bill. Paul Warburg, an attendee of the meeting and longtime advocate of central banking in the U.S., later wrote that Aldrich was bewildered at all that he had absorbed abroad and he was faced with the difficult task of writing a highly technical bill while being harassed by the daily grind of his parliamentary duties. After 10 days of deliberation, the bill, which would later be referred to as the Aldrich Plan, was agreed upon. It had several key components, including a central bank with a Washington-based headquarters and 15 branches located throughout the U.S. in geographically strategic locations, and a uniform elastic currency based on gold and commercial paper. Aldrich believed the central banking system with no political involvement was best, but was convinced by Warburg that a plan with no public control was not politically feasible. The compromise involved representation of the public sector on the board of directors. Aldrich's bill met much opposition from politicians. Critics charged Aldrich of being biased due to his close ties to wealthy bankers such as J.P. Morgan and John D. Rockefeller Jr., Aldrich's son-in-law. Most Republicans favored the Aldrich plan, but it lacked enough support in Congress to pass because rural and western states viewed it as favoring the eastern establishment. In contrast, progressive Democrats favored a reserve system owned and operated by the government, they believed that public ownership of the central bank would end Wall Street's control of the American currency supply conservative Democrats fought for a privately owned, yet decentralized, reserve system, which would still be free of Wall Street's control. The original Aldrich plan was dealt a fatal blow in 1912, when Democrats won the White House and Congress. Nonetheless, President Woodrow Wilson believed that the Aldrich plan would suffice with a few modifications. The plan became the basis for the Federal Reserve Act, which was proposed by Senator Robert Owen in May 1913. The primary difference between the two bills was the transfer of control of the Board of Directors, called the Federal Open Market Committee in the Federal Reserve Act, to the government. The bill passed Congress on December 23, 1913, on a mostly partisan basis, with most Democrats voting yeah and most Republicans voting nay. Measurement of Economic Variables The Federal Reserve records and publishes large amounts of data. A few websites where data is published are at the Board of Governors Economic Data and Research page, the Board of Governors Statistical Releases and Historical Data page, and at the St. Louis Fed's FRED, Federal Reserve Economic Data, page the Federal Open Market Committee, FOMC, examines many economic indicators prior to determining monetary policy. Some criticism involves economic data compiled by the Fed. The Fed sponsors much of the monetary economics research in the US, and Lawrence H. White objects that this makes it less likely for researchers to publish findings challenging the status quo. Net worth of households and nonprofit organizations. Total net worth, balance sheet of households and nonprofit organizations 1949 to 2012. The net worth of households and nonprofit organizations in the United States is published by the Federal Reserve in a report titled Flow of Funds. At the end of the third quarter of fiscal year 2012, this value was $64.8 trillion. At the end of the first quarter of fiscal year 2014, this value was $95.5 trillion. Money Supply The Federal Reserve stopped publishing M3 statistics in March 2006, saying that the data cost a lot to collect but did not provide significantly useful information. The other three money supply measures continue to be provided in detail. Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index 
The Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, also referred to as simply the PCE Price Index, is used as one measure of the value of money. It is a United States-wide indicator of the average increase in prices for all domestic personal consumption. Using a variety of data including United States Consumer Price Index and U.S. Producer Price Index prices, it is derived from the largest component of the gross domestic product in the B's national income and product accounts, personal consumption expenditures. One of the Fed's main roles is to maintain price stability, which means that the Fed's ability to keep a low inflation rate is a long-term measure of their success. Although the Fed is not required to maintain inflation within a specific range, their long-run target for the growth of the PCE price index is between 1.5 and 2%. There has been debate among policymakers as to whether the Federal Reserve should have a specific inflation targeting policy. Inflation and the Economy Most mainstream economists favor a low, steady rate of inflation. Low, as opposed to zero or negative, inflation may reduce the severity of economic recessions by enabling the labor market to adjust more quickly in a downturn, and reduce the risk that a liquidity trap prevents monetary policy from stabilizing the economy. The task of keeping the rate of inflation low and stable is usually given to monetary authorities. Unemployment Rate United States unemployment rates 1975 to 2010 showing variance between the 50 states. One of the stated goals of monetary policy is maximum employment. The unemployment rate statistics are collected by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and like the PCE price index are used as a barometer of the nation's economic health. Budget The Federal Reserve is self-funded. The vast majority, 90% plus, of Fed revenues come from open market operations, specifically the interest on the portfolio of Treasury securities as well as capital gains-slash-losses that may arise from the buying-slash-selling of the securities and their derivatives as part of open market operations. The balance of revenues come from sales of financial services, check and electronic payment processing, and discount window loans. The Board of Governors, Federal Reserve Board, creates a budget report once per year for Congress. There are two reports with budget information. The one that lists the complete balance statements with income and expenses as well as the net profit or loss is the large report simply titled, Annual Report. It also includes data about employment throughout the system. The other report, which explains in more detail the expenses of the different aspects of the whole system, is called Annual Report, Budget Review. These detailed comprehensive reports can be found at the Board of Governors website under the section Reports to Congress. Federal Reserve Total Assets, Treasuries, and Mortgages One of the keys to understanding the Federal Reserve is the Federal Reserve Balance Sheet, or Balance Statement. In accordance with Section 11 of the Federal Reserve Act, the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System publishes once each week the consolidated statement of condition of all Federal Reserve Banks showing the condition of each Federal Reserve Bank and a consolidated statement for all Federal Reserve Banks. The Board of Governors requires that excess earnings of the Reserve Banks be transferred to the Treasury as interest on federal criticism. Money supply decreased significantly between Black Tuesday and the bank holiday in March 1933 when there were massive bank runs across the United States. The Federal Reserve raising the federal funds rate above U.S. Treasury interest rates creates an inverted yield curve causing recessions. The Federal Reserve System has faced various criticisms since its inception in 1913. Critique of the organization and system has come from sources such as writers, journalists, economists, and financial institutions as well as politicians and various government employees. Criticisms include lack of transparency, doubt of efficacy due to what is seen by some as poor historical performance and traditionalist concerns about the debasement of the value of the dollar. From the beginning, the Federal Reserve has been the subject of many popular conspiracy theories, that typically link the Fed to numerous other supposed conspiracies, such as funding the political movements of Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Mao Zedong, and the capacity to trigger recessions for easy access to cheap assets. One just before the founding of the Federal Reserve, the nation was plagued with financial crises. 
At times, these crises led to panics, in which people raced to their banks to withdraw their deposits. A particularly severe panic in 1907 resulted in bank runs that wreaked havoc on the fragile banking system and ultimately led Congress in 1913 to write the Federal Reserve Act. Initially created to address these banking panics, the Federal Reserve is now charged with a number of broader responsibilities, including fostering a sound banking system and a healthy economy. 2008. The step goes beyond past initiatives because the Fed can now inject liquidity without flooding the banking system with cash, unlike the newest tool, the past steps added cash to the banking system, which affects the Fed's benchmark interest rate, by contrast, the TSLF injects liquidity by lending treasuries, which doesn't affect the federal funds rate. That leaves the Fed free to address the mortgage crisis directly without concern about adding more cash to the system than it wants. 3 Financial Times February 18, 2008 Before its introduction, banks either had to raise money in the open market or use the so-called discount window for emergencies. However, last year many banks refused to use the discount window, even though they found it hard to raise funds in the market, because it was associated with the stigma of bank failure. 4 Fed boosts next two special auctions to $30 billion. Bloomberg. January 4, 2008. The Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System established the Temporary Term Auction Facility, dubbed TAF, in December to provide cash after interest rate cuts failed to break banks' reluctance to lend amid concern about losses related to subprime mortgage securities. The program will make funding from the Fed available beyond the 20 authorized primary dealers that trade with the central bank. 5. A dirty job, but someone has to do it. Economist.com December 13, 2007 Retrieved August 29, 2011 The Fed's discount window, for instance, through which it lends direct to banks, has barely been approached, despite the soaring spreads in the interbank market. The quarter-point cuts in its federal funds rate and discount rate on December 11th were followed by a steep sell-off in the stock market, the hope is that by extending the maturity of central bank money, broadening the range of collateral against which banks can borrow and shifting from direct lending to an auction, the central bankers will bring down spreads in the one- and three-month money markets. There will be no net addition of liquidity. What the central bankers add at longer-term maturities, they will take out in the overnight market. But there are risks. The first is that, for all the fanfare, the central bank's plan will make little difference. After all, it does nothing to remove the fundamental reason why investors are worried about lending to banks. This is the uncertainty about potential losses from subprime mortgages and the products based on them, and, given that uncertainty, the bank's own desire to hoard capital against the chance that they will have to strengthen their balance sheets. All right, then. Now, that's the details on the Federal Reserve System. Now, like I was saying, um, I remember, oh, man, how long ago has it been? Boy, it's, I think it's probably about the late, maybe, maybe early 90s. Early 90s, I picked up a book called Money, the Greatest Hoax. It was by a gentleman by the name of Merle Jenkins. And he was talking about the monetary system of the United States. He talks about how the Federal Reserve got put in place. He talks about how money gets printed, where money comes from. Money is nothing but, nothing but money. Uh, numbers on a ledger that they tell folks over there, hey, man, y'all start that machine up and y'all uh, print this paper. Y'all put that paper out there. And what we're going to say is that this paper that we put out there, this paper has strength. It's backed by the government. Now, see, that's the interesting thing about the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is its own entity. But what gives the Federal Reserve teeth is the government backing it. You know, like a guy was telling me about insurance companies. He said it's amazing. He said they want you to have insurance on everything, right? Like on your car. You know, they force you to have, the government force you to have insurance on your car. You got to pay somebody to insure your car. And then the insurance can, then if you don't have insurance on the car, the government can send you to jail. And then the, the government official 
who made the law that you better have insurance or you going to jail is in bed with the insurance company. You see what I'm saying? How this thing work here? Uh, the insurance company, insurance company pays these politicians to create these laws to put you in jail because you don't have insurance. Just like what Obama did with that that uh that Obamacare. If you didn't have Obamacare, they would put you in jail or they would penalize you, penalize you some money because you didn't have no insurance for the year. You got to pay into it. See, they they see these insurance companies. They are uh, they 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 put they, they have them government teeth behind them to force the citizen to do. Now that, that's like the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve they print this money and they control the money. But then if you mess up the money, even though they're a private entity, if you mess up the money or you interfere some kind of way, the government can send you to jail. See, everybody's in bed with each other. But see, but like I said before, after I listened to, after I read Merrill Jenkins' books on the money greater hoax, I was all against money. But see, the thing about it is that. I was all against the Federal Reserve controlling our money. But when I look at our politicians in this country, do I really want the politicians controlling the money? If not, we would be like some third world country or African or Venezuela somewhere where the president or whoever in dictate at the time, they print out money and the money has no value. It's not backed. Even though money isn't backed by anything, you still have a central bank. You still have a, a separate entity controlling the flow of money you see what i'm saying the government you know and and and, and they have a vested interest they have a vested interest either to print more to print less raise interest or lower interest they have a vested interest because their survival depends on it see the federal reserve survive the federal reserve survival depends on them staying alive any organism wants to stay alive so the Federal Reserve is, is not is, is not going to bankroll bankroll or bankrupt a country because it's not it's not to their benefit. See, everybody got a benefit, self benefited. But if you have somebody like Bernie Sanders in there or or Kennedy or somebody in there just printing money, printing money, printing money, and then eight years after they were with some other president getting in, now they printing money, printing money, your money has no value. But when the central bank, like the Federal Reserve, they just don't deal with the United States, they deal with governments around the world. See, you got to think called the IMF, the International Mutual Fund. I think it was a 144-member member body. They control the monetary system of the world. Now, let me be about these damn Bitcoins. You a damn fool, you got to buy Bitcoins. The people ain't going to let no dang on Bitcoins take the place of no, uh, no, 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 no federal or no country's currency. And then the crazy thing about Bitcoin, the folks out there with them Bitcoins, I'll be laughing. You go online and you buy Bitcoins, right? And they have a value to them. They have a, 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 a perspective by a value to them. But then, when you when you when you when you pull your your bitcoins out, you're trying to get cash out. How bitcoin gonna replace cash when in order in order to do anything with bitcoin outside of the the internet, you you got to trade it in for cash. So how's bitcoin threatening cash? Bitcoin is like playing with monopoly money on, on the internet. That's all. It's just like playing with imaginary money. And I guess like you say, uh, currency, Federal Reserve notes or ledgers, that's playing. With the, yeah, you're right about that. But at least I got something tangible in my hand, even though a piece of paper or a coin ain't worth, worth nothing. It's worth something as long as the government say the government back it. Because that's all anything is. Everything is. Everything is worth something because the government say that it has a value to it. So we have an insurance company. I didn't want to sell you an insurance company. They know the insurance company know if they don't get the politician to make laws to say that you need insurance, then you ain't going to buy it. If there's no laws in the books that say if they pull you over and you don't have no insurance, you're going to jail, right? But they know that. So they're in bed with these politicians. That's why I say I don't want politicians running my federal currency. If it's going to be, I want the Federal Reserve running. I want a central bank. I want an IMF who have a vested interest in themselves in keeping this system alive. I don't want the government printing money. I don't want Bernie Sanders printing money. I didn't want Kennedy printing money. I didn't want uh, Lincoln who had a problem with, with central banking also. None of these guys. None of these politicians. None of them. I like, if the system going to be the way it's going to be, I'm all for the Federal Reserve and the International Mutual Fund, me personally, because they have a vested, vested interest to keep their organism going. Not like these, not, not like these pandering politicians, you know, who will just give money, just print money 
just like in Venezuela, over some of Africa. I remember Idi Amin, Idi Amin, <coughs> Idi Amin, Uganda. Idi Amin was printing, printing so much money, bankroll that country, bankrupt that country, just printing worthless pieces of paper. Because yeah, that that paper may be backed in your country amongst your folks, but you can't do nothing with that paper outside of your country because it's worthless. With the, with the Federal Reserve and the IMF. Those currencies are worldwide. They're trading with each other. They bond with each other. They have they have central banks in all these little locations working with each other. They have vested interests in these in these in these industrialized countries. But when you get a country just printing its own money and, and 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 that money ain't no good outside its own country, it has no value. Then you or then you got as a politician just panning to the people, printing print print paper, just cutting trees down for nothing. You might well use it for firewood. So that my little spiel there on. On the Federal Reserve and look here. I know I didn't held y'all up a little long here, but you know, uh, I think about this money thing here. And like I said, I used to be all against the Federal Reserve and the International Mutual Fund, you know, print money. Money's worth, ain't worth nothing, fiat. But this is the system that we have in place, and it has to be a system. I know some people say, well, you go have to bother it. Man, you ain't going like that old guy dog on bartering. You ain't going out, you ain't going out there paying trading those shoes for 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 a can of corn. You know, if you got livestock over there traders, man, you ain't doing that no more because you're not on that system anymore. They have you on this, they have you on this currency system now. You on you ain't on the farming system no more. You're not down in the country anymore. The world is big now, and this is a, and it has to be a system in place. You know, whether it's a system that they, 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 they put a chip in your arm when you get so many credits, it's the same thing. There has to be a, a payment system in place where people can trade. People don't want to carry, you know, people, at one time, salt was currency. People don't want to be going to no salt mines, carrying those sacks of salt around, trading around. Everything was a currency. Gold. What, what People say, well, gold is the only thing that holds its value. Gold only holds its value if somebody else sees value in it. Gold is just like salt. Gold is just like anything. Well, how, what, what value do gold have? If you got a whole ton of ton of gold, what's the value to you? What you gonna do with it? Huh? You go, you gonna you gonna try to you gonna try to take that gold and turn that gold into paper money, ain't you? Just like with Bitcoin, you I got all this gold, man. My gold holds its value. Okay, you got all the gold in the world, but there's no more paper money. What you gonna do with that gold? You can't eat it. Who you gonna trade it with? It's just shiny. You'll go to another country and say, well, look, I got this gold here. I'm going to trade you this gold. For. And the guy going to look at you and say, what the fuck I'm going to do with that gold? And what I'm going to do with that gold? I can't eat that gold. Well, I'm going to go over here and trade this gold for that cow over there. That farmer going to look at you like you're crazy. What, 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 what I'm going to do with that gold? I'm going to give you my cow, which is food. For that gold, I can't eat that food. So whether you're trading gold, Bitcoin, silver, whatever, you still going to have to turn it into some type of some type of trading currency because ain't nobody got no big ships to be hauling train tankers to haul haul no gold around like in the old days when they used to have that's how paper money got invented anyway paper money got invented I I I you know what I'll do a little I'll do another little thing on paper money I'm not gonna get off into that right now but I'll do a little another talk on paper money but look at I didn't held y'all up long enough man I gotta go finish my little Patron four thousand series here so look here I want y'all to do what I always tell y'all to do now I want y'all to shop local. Find your little local cigar emporium, little cigar lounge, and I want y'all to shop local. You know, support your local cigar places. You want to go online to the Cigar International or Corona somewhere and uh, get y'all some boxes at a nice little discount price. You know, y'all can do that too. Ain't nothing wrong with that. As long as you pump some money to your local economy. Pump some money. That's what it was all about. Pumping money to your local economy. So look, I held up enough of y'all time. I got to get on myself. And like I tell y'all all the time when I leave y'all, y'all take care of everybody. But more importantly, y'all take care of y'all self first. All right now.